0: Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Awesome, awesome. Hey, can we hear it one more time for our band as you take your seats? Good stuff. Good stuff. I knew I saw something about trumpets in the Bible. Oh my gosh. Well, hey everyone. My name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors here at Liquid Church. And I want to welcome you to the series finale of this awesome series we call Pop Guys. This is a music series where we've been actually taking a good look at our spiritual faith through the lens of popular music. And the song you just were dancing to right now is the song Safe and Sound by the indie pop duo Capital Cities. Now, here's the deal, all right? You want to talk about a modern-day rags-to-riches tale? This music duo from L.A., Ryan Merchant and Sabu Simonian, actually found themselves, okay? They found each other, wait for it, on craigslist all right can you just imagine this yeah they simply met up right they started writing together they they got into like commercial jingles and whatnot and then three years later they broke out with that platinum single you all were just dancing to and they've been nominated for a grammy and now they are touring the world with none other than katie Perry, okay? When I go on Craigslist, I'm just trying not to get ripped off on a used lawnmower, all right? They become rock stars. <laughs> but you know what? Their rock star tale is truly one of rags to riches. And they'll be the first ones to actually tell you that no matter how challenging things may get, no matter how difficult it may be, just sort of hang in there. Just kind of stick to it because something better is right around the corner. That is what the song Safe and Sound is all about. It's a song of eternal optimism. As a matter of fact, you hear this message of hope in their lyrics. If you look at it closely, it says, even if the sky is falling down, even in a hurricane of frowns, even if we're six feet underground, I know that we'll be safe and sound. You see, folks, that is some faith and hope right there. And believe it or not, it's also the theme of the fourth and final chapter of the book of Malachi found in the Old Testament. See, today we're taking an in-depth look at the last words, at, at the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament. In other words, in an already very intensely personal book. As a matter of fact, did you know that the book of Malachi has 55 verses, and of the 55 verses, 47 of them are direct quotes from God to his people. That's more. That's a higher percentage than any other book in the Bible. So this is intensely personal, and it's in these last few verses we're focusing on today. God's final words to his people that he goes, he, he, he's going to give us his final words before he goes radio silent for four Hundred years until Christ Jesus appears back on the scene. And and so it makes you wonder, right? What are the last words that God is going to say? What are his parting words to his people? I mean, because you have to understand, we've been called into a family meeting. Do do you guys remember this? Have you ever had one of these family meetings? In fact, Pastor Tim was sharing with us the past several weeks how God has essentially kind of sat us down on the couch. He said, children, I need you to gather around now. I have a few things that I want to talk to you about, three things in particular. We need to talk about religion, sex, and money. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a home where there were three things you did not talk about, okay? (laughs) Religion, sex, and money. Yet throughout the book of Malachi, God is saying, we need to have a family meeting right now. I I need you to sit down because I want to share with you how I've been noticing you've just been going through the motions at church. You're going around sleeping with whoever you want, forsaking your spouse. And oh, by the way, I know that you've been stealing from me through the withholding of tithes. See, God cuts straight to the heart in these three areas. And after doing so, after he cuts straight to the heart, he has these last words that he shares with us in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. And would you look there with me? It says this. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. You see, God always gets the last word. This is pretty intense stuff, right? I mean, He is not holding back at all. This is a family meeting. And not only are we going to talk about religion, sex, and money, all those things are on the table, but Dad, God, Abba, Father is saying, you know what? I've been very, very clear with you. I've told you what honors me, I've told you what does not honor me. And now, you know what? You need to understand the day is coming. Judgment is coming. Again, verse 1 says, surely, definitely, without a doubt, the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. In other words, if you're not right with God, Malachi is saying, you may temporarily feel like you're getting away with something. If you're not right with God, you may temporarily feel like you know, you're, you're kind of sneaking one by because there are not any immediate consequences that you are feeling at the time. You know, your religious empty practices, you're sleeping around, you're robbing God, but no, 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 let's be clear about this. Let's be clear. Surely the day is coming and it will burn like a furnace. Now let's just stop here for a second. Let's just stop here. Folks, what does this description actually sound like? I mean, where do you think God is referring to here when he says that this day is coming and it's gonna burn like a furnace? And this place where all the arrogant and evildoers are set on fire. Where is God describing here? Yeah, H E double hockey sticks, the hot place. That's exactly right. See, and he's saying that this hot place is reserved for all those who reject. God, now I just want to be honest here. Can I just be honest here? I'm not supposed to say that, right? We we live in a day. We live in a time where, no, 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 you, you can't say things. That upsets too many people. When we come to church, we just want to be happy, right? But because I love you, Because God loves you, because I want to be faithful to the text, and because I cannot be faithful to you unless I'm faithful to the text. I need to tell you what the Scripture says as Scripture says it. And so I want you to consider your eternal fate right now, whether or not you'll turn from religion and you will turn from rebellion and you will turn to a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ alone. Will you do that? Because there is a day that is coming and it will be like a furnace. The day is surely coming. You need to make no mistakes. A good chunk of God's word is fire and brimstone. You need to know that. The sky is falling down. We're headed six feet underground, (laughs) which is why I am so thankful the book does not end there. As a matter of fact, let's read this together. The next verse, it says, but for who? But for you who revere my name the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stalls folks do not miss this this is a foretaste this is a foreshadowing of the good news of the gospel this is a a, a little sneak peek into Jesus Christ that through Jesus Christ alone we can actually be safe And sound. Why? How? Who? Who can possibly escape this day that is surely coming? God says, You who revere my name. Later on, I love it. The New Testament it it, it mirrors that by saying, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Saved. Exactly. See, to revere someone, you need to understand this, to revere someone is not just to respect the person. It is that, but it's not just that. It also means to be devoted to that person. And so God is simply saying, you know what? The furnace is reserved for those who reject me. You reject me, the furnace is waiting for you. But for those of you who would revere me, if those of you who would be devoted and follow and love and believe in me, you put your faith and trust in me, then I promise you eternity in heaven, safe and sound. See, and today in our passage, we're going to look at three powerful promises That God makes for those who would revere his name. I see some of you taking notes already. That's awesome. Promise number one is this. There will be healing. There will be healing. Amen. Do you know someone in your life? Is there someone in your life right now today that needs healing? Perhaps it's you. Verse 2 says, but for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Guys, I need you to take a journey with me right now. Just take a journey. Just, do you just imagine? Can, can you just think back to what a crazy, long, cold, dark winter we all had? I know it's summer now, okay? But do you remember that ridiculousness that was our past winter? I mean, I have been born and raised in New Jersey, and I can't remember a winter that was that horrible in such a long time. I mean, we're talking about temperatures in, in, in single digits, like multiple days in a row. How many of you remember snow in April, huh? That's ridiculous. Come on, right? Right? We're talking frozen pipes. We're talking heating bills through the roof. I mean, the whole state, right, was in cabin fever for like four months. And you know what? Maybe it's because of that, maybe because it was so horrible. That's why I distinctly remember, I can just even picture it right now, there were like two or three days where it just kind of broke the winter, where the sun actually came out and the snow started to melt a little bit. I just remember those three days so well because I looked, I must have looked like a crazy person. I went outside like on the second day, I just did this. I, I was like this. I was in the parking lot of, of our church office, and I was just like this. I just—I I had my hands out. I'm looking up at the sky. I'm feeling the warmth of the sun, and it just, oh, I can, I can feel it now. It, it, it felt so wonderful. And then you know what? It's like three or four weeks ago, I got to put on these bad boys. You know what I'm talking about? Can I get an amen for flip-flops and shorts? Okay. My goodness gracious, that's the loudest amen I ever got from any of you guys, all right? (laughs) The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? See, in God, in heaven where God is revealed all the time, in heaven where the sun, S-O-N, where the sun is risen, And there continually and constantly where his righteousness is present. What is there? There is healing, says the word of God. In other words, let me put it to you like this. There ain't no need for doctors. No need for hospitals. No need for surgeons and hospices and prescriptions and surgeries. No need for any of that. And guys, I don't know about you, but I just want to speak personally here, just honestly here for a second Not only was this a long winter, but for me personally, I just feel like, I don't know if this is true or not, but I just feel like in the past year or so, I I feel like I've done more hospital visits in the past year or so. I've heard about more people in in physical ailment from, from little babies to the elderly, I feel like in the past year or so, I have prayed more for physical healing, that our spiritual care teams have prayed more for physical healing in the lives of folks right here at Liquid Church, people sitting next to you right now, in front of you right now. I feel like there's been more prayer for physical healing than in any of my other years here at Liquid Combined. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. See, guys, I get it. It is so hard. It's, it's almost hard to believe. It's hard to imagine a world without pain, isn't it? But Malachi reminds us, he says, you know what? Surely the day is coming where you will be made whole spiritually, and you will be made whole physically. As well. In fact, what I absolutely love is that the last book of the New Testament, I'm talking about Revelation, also says the same exact thing. Look at what it says there in Revelation 21, verse 4. It says, He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. Guys, I love that. Do you see the symmetry there? The last book of the Old Testament and the last book of the New Testament, they say the same exact thing. Both remind us that God has the power to keep all those who put their trust in him safe and sound, safe and sound. And so the first promise that we find in the book of Malachi chapter four is this, number one. There will be healing. You already wrote that down. But number two is this, the second promise. For those who do not reject but actually revere Christ is this, promise number two, there will be freedom. There will be freedom. Check out what it says here in the second part of verse two. But for you who revere my name, the second part there says, you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. I'm talking about putting some pep in your step, people, okay? Okay? Now, here's the deal, all right? I just got to be honest here. I don't know what it's like to have my calves released from the stall. That just sounds weird. I don't know what that means. I'm not a farmer. I'm not a cattle herder, okay? But in my home, I don't know about you, maybe you have a dog, maybe you have a cat. In my home, all right, our girls have a pet rabbit, okay? Meet Mr. Loppy, all right? He's the one in the middle there, all right? That is a Holland lop, okay? Let me tell you something. When my girls let Mr. Loppy out of his little rabbit hutch, that thing bolts, it jumps, it darts, it weaves, it sprints all over the place. It drives me nuts, okay? But anyways, all right? It's okay. My girls love him, so I got to love him, right? And here's the deal, right? I understand ultimately at the end of the day, I get why it does that. As soon as it comes out of its box, I get why it does that. because it was designed to leap and jump and sprint and do all that stuff all over the place. I get that. It was designed to run. Well, here's the deal. Did you know that God also designed you to run and to leap and to jump, to live life to the full? That's what I'm talking about. See, he designed you not to be pent up and trapped in this physical body that is deteriorating, ever so slowly. He's designed you to not live permanently in a world that is broken by sin, but to actually leap and to live in freedom. This is why scripture says, you will will go out and leap like lops (laughs) released from the stall. That's what heaven is like. It's a beautiful picture of of what God has in store for those who revere his name, for those who are devoted to him. Surely the day is coming. And that day, for those who revere, you do not need to be afraid. Why? Because it is a day of healing and freedom, safe and sound, safe and sound. Two promises that come straight from the word of God. And you know something? Here's the deal. I think we actually forget that sometimes. I mean, I think we get so caught up in this temporary life sometimes, okay, that we get stressed out, we get bogged down by the things of this world, forgetting completely that this, this is temporary. It's momentary. But that there's an incredible eternity that lies ahead for those who revere God. This is what the Word of God actually says. And maybe that's why another good chunk of God's words to us are a reminder, an encouragement to actually stay in his word, to not, re, to not forget the things that he has revealed to us. Uh, look with me at verse 4 there. Malachi 4.4 4 says, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. Remember. See, you and I, think about it this way. You and I need to understand that anytime ask, someone asks you to remember something, they're asking you to take a look back in the past. See, and so it's interesting that as we receive these last words of God, God asks us to remember, to think back to the past, and remember the words that God gave to Moses at Horeb. Horeb is just another name for Mount Sinai. It's where God gave Charlton Heston the Ten Commandments. Remember that, right? okay? He not only did that, but he asked Moses to write the first five books of the Old Testament as well. And so God is saying this. Listen up now. God is saying, listen, you may not hear from me for a while, 400 years. And and, and during that time, you're going to think I forgot. During that time, you're going to think I went away. During that time, you're going to think I don't exist. But I need you to do something. I need you to remember I need you to think back to the past. Remember the things that I taught you and what I showed you and all the ways I led you out and all the ways that I showed you that I love you. I need you to remember the word of God. You see, the best way that you and I can remember the word of God is to consistently be in the word of God, to read the word of God every single day otherwise we forget and, and so can I just can I just ask you a personal question here all right is that a part of your summer plans it, it, it is part of your of your summer goals your summer plans to be in the Word of God in other words is the word of God on your summer reading list see because my guess is many of us we just sort of go on spiritual vacation during the summer months you know what I'm talking about I mean, we sort of get busy, you know, we're filling up our beach bag with all this stuff, right? Maybe downloading the Fault in Our Stars for your Kindle, right? Getting a couple of magazines to read by the pool. I mean, guys, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Eric and I, we're, we're going on vacation soon, and she and I, we're doing the same exact thing. We're getting our reading list together, right? But meanwhile, meanwhile, if our Bibles just sort of stay there on the nightstand, right? If in the midst of doing that, we neglect our Bible and leave it on the, on the on a bookshelf somewhere collecting dust, well, that's when the dangers, that's when the dangers of checking out spir- spiritually actually become a reality, right? And, and so one of the ways that we try to do very practically at church on, on Sundays, every Sunday is this. One of the ways that we help you try and remember God's Word is by simply placing one of these on your seat, on every single seat when you come in on Sundays. As a matter of fact, I I, I just want to call this out right now. Don't tell Tim I said this. Um, If you don't have a Bible, just steal ours, okay? Just, 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 you know, just one of these, all right, all right? don't worry. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to think poorly of you. If you don't have a Bible, just take ours. That's, that's Truly, that is why it's there. You can do that. You can take all the pens that you want, okay? But really, if you're going to take a pen, take a Bible too, okay? We want you to remember the Word of God. As a matter of fact, have you ever thought about why we go through all the crazy lengths that we do to skin certain series, to, to have something like this called Pop God? I mean, why do we even go through the trouble to do that? Well, it's to help everyone here remember the Word of God, and one of the ways that we remember the Word of God is actually by being good students of the culture we live in, of our own world, and, and by being good students of our own culture, that includes right, pop music from Pharrell, and being able to connect verses of music that you constantly hear, you cannot turn on the radio without hearing happy, right? It's, it's, to, it's to give you the ability to connect verses of music from everyday life with verses of scripture that is eternal truth. It's one of the ways we're trying to help you remember the word of God. See guys, truth is relevant. Did you know that that's one of the three core values of Liquid Church? We only have three. And that's one of them. We take it very seriously that truth is relevant. It is one of our highest priorities. And so this is why Sunday after Sunday and all throughout the week in our life groups, we are asking everyone here to remember the word of God. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light for my path. Amen? Amen? Amen. But you know something? It's this last part of God's final words to his people that is so interesting. Because as we are encouraged to look back and remember, in the last two verses of the Old Testament, God says, as you look back and remember, I also want you to look forward forward to keep your eye on the ball, to stay focused. And Check this out. It says this. See, see, other translations say, behold, behold, I will send you the prophet Elijah. This is another Old Testament prophet. Before that great and dreadful day of the Lord, verse 6, he will turn, check this out, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now watch this. This is so awesome. We're going to do a little time travel right now, okay? Are you ready? Buckle up. We're going to do a little time travel. Go ahead and put your thumb in that verse right there, just on that page right there. And I need you to fast forward just a little bit to Luke chapter 1, okay? Luke chapter 1. And as you do realize, as we as we just flipped over a few pages, we just fast forwarded 400 years, just like that, 400 years gone. And now let's let's see Let's behold what happens next. Luke chapter 1, verse 17 says, And he, John the Baptist, will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of who? Elijah. Elijah. We just read about Elijah. To turn the hearts. Oh, wow. This sounds very familiar. To turn the hearts of the fathers to their children to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Sounds very familiar familiar, doesn't it? See, I want you guys to understand this. Luke is linking the last words of the Old Testament to the first words of Christ's appearance in the New Testament. One more time. Luke is linking the last words of the Old Testament, the prophecy found in the last chapter of Malachi to the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke talking about Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important? It's important because every single prophecy of the Old Testament, you need to understand this. In fact, there are over 300 prophecies found in the Old Testament. Every single one points to Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah, his life, death, and resurrection. That's what it points to. And so the last prophecy of the last book of the last verses of the Old Testament is the first prophecy we see fulfilled in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Bottom line, I see some of you taking notes right there. Bottom line, God not only gets the last word, but he fulfills his every word. God not only gets the last word but he always keeps his word as well especially especially when it says things like he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers promise number 3 for those of you taking notes there will be heart change there will be heart change. I don't know what kind of heart you brought into this room today, but the Word of God says there will be heart change. You know, (laughs) uh, let me just put it to you this way. We uh, recently all celebrated Father's Day, right? And I don't know if you guys were on Facebook uh, on Father's Day, but it was quite a spectacle. There were some funny things going on on Facebook. For instance, uh, someone posted this on their wall. I I didn't want to call them out, so I I left their name out. But they said, for Father's Day, I'm going to make breakfast, take care of the kids, and do all my husband's laundry. Oh, wait, that's every day. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I had to ask my wife, can you just take that down? I just don't don't put that on your wall. No, I'm just kidding, right? (laughs) No, but seriously, here's what I loved. Here's what I loved about Father's Day, and that is this. For one day, for one day out of the whole year, all these people were posting pictures of them and their dads. And come on, it was so stinking sweet. I'm talking about old pictures of fathers walking down their daughters on their wedding day right down the aisle. I'm talking about new pictures of new dads proudly holding their babies. He saw a lot of that. I, I love the multi-generational ones. I'm talking about selfies of grandfathers and fathers and future fathers all in the same shot. I mean, what other day are you honestly going to see all of that? It was absolutely beautiful. But you know something? We all know that those snapshots on Facebook right? All the things you see on Instagram, those are the best of the best pictures, right? Those are the ones that we actually want to share with people. Those are the ones we want to remember. Those are the ones that we want to cherish. (laughs) But you don't need me to stand here and tell you that life is not always so picture perfect with our earthly fathers, amen? That's that's not how it is. I mean, listen, I love those pictures just as much as the next person, but stuff gets in the way sometimes of our relationship with our earthly dads. The hearts can actually drift apart for so many reasons. Life happens. Like I remember the first real time I let my father down. Do you guys have that story, right? Think think about the first time you let your father down. For me, I was a freshman in high school, somewhere around 13, 14, 12 years old, whatever it is, right? Freshman in high school, and and right after school, I don't know if they still do this now, but right, I was on the lacrosse team, so right after school, right after class, our last class, we would go out and have our lacrosse practice out on the field, and and by the time everything was said and done, it would be five o'clock, and that's when all the parents would roll in and pick up their kids, right? So that's how we did it back then, and so it'd be five o'clock, and and my parents would would come, and 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 they would come in in this beat up old Oldsmobile. You see, I, I lived uh, I I lived in a place where where people didn't really drive that, okay? And and my parents owned a convenience store nearby the school, and so they would pick me up at 5 o'clock in this beat-up old Oldsman. And do you kind of know where this story is going? Because, because here's the deal, right? I, I'm let's being straight with you, okay? I, I was like the only Asian on the lacrosse team, one of the only Asians in the school, okay? Um, everyone's parents, it felt like were, were they were driving Beamers, they were driving Benzies, they were driving Lexuses, all this stuff, okay? My parents were coming up in this beat-up, Oldsmobile, and and you understand how the story goes, right? I I mean, I I just after after this happened for a couple weeks, I'm just like uh, I'm just like thinking in my head. I'm just like, uh, hey, hey, uh, Dad, uh, um, listen, um, uh, practices. I think they're gonna start. uh, Coaches, five thirty. Yeah, co- co- uh, yeah. Coach says uh, practice is going to end around 5:30, or, or I'd be like, "Oh, uh, yeah, you, you know, Dad, uh, I think I'm just going to, I think, I think I'll just walk to the store. I, I need a, a more exercise, anyways. I think, I think I'll just, I'll, I'll just walk." But you know what? Dads are smart. Right? D- dads, they, they are smarter than they look, and uh, <laughs> uh, my my dad, he knew exactly. My dad knew exactly what was going on. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget, he just turned to me while I'm like there squirming, just this little punk. I'm like squirming, trying to come up with a reason so I could avoid this daily ritual of embarrassment and teenage angst, you know. And he just he just turns to me and he says, he says Tommy, you're my son. I am never embarrassed of you. And oh my gosh, that stung. That's all he said. That's all he said. And I think back at it now, and it's just, what do I see there? I see my own foolishness driving a wedge between me and my loving dad. And you know something? Honestly, honestly, I do that kind of junk every day some way, somehow, with my perfect heavenly father as well. And you know, I just don't think that you can live this life too long without doing the same sort of thing to your heavenly father, without your relationship with your heavenly father somehow taking a hit. And I don't know why, I don't know why, I mean, maybe for you, maybe it's because for you, it's some combination of the big three that Malachi was talking about. Maybe you've made your relationship with him like a religion. Maybe it's something about sex. Maybe it's something about money. I don't know. Or maybe your relationship with your perfect heavenly father is on the rocks right now because of your own rebellion. You're like, please, I don't got no time for that. I'm not reading the Bible. I got to live for me right now. See, Even with a perfect heavenly father, our relationship with him sometimes takes a hit for all sorts of reasons. But the heart of the father is always to restore the relationship with his children, no matter what, especially the heart of a perfect heavenly father. You see, Malachi promises us that one day, one day, this will surely happen. Promise number three, there will be heart change. Now, here's the deal. I know I've shared this with some of you before. But one of the single most profound moments in my life was a few years later. After my high school, after college, I was in grad school in the city. And my younger sister only in high school at the time, my younger sister actually ran away from home for about a week. Let me tell you something. That was, that was so scary. I mean, we literally did not know if my sister was dead or alive. And I just remember, I remember, you know, leaving grad school. I was in the city and I remember leaving, coming home just to be with my folks and oh my gosh, my folks, they were besides themselves. I, I, ne- oh, I just even now, I, I cringe thinking about. I've never seen them like that. My, like my dad, especially, my dad's a very like happy guy, and just, oh, it tore me up to see them like this. I pray to God that I would never see them that way again. But to make a long story short, I remember, when my father was going to go pick up my sister, right, and they had made some arrangements over the phone. And keep in mind, I'm a young Christian at the time. I had recently given my life to the Lord, so I'm all zealous. I'm reading the Bible every day, all that stuff, right? And I decided to, you know, kind of tag along with him. And honestly, at the time, as we're going to pick up my sister, okay, at the time, I'm just filled with all these emotions and questions, like, is she okay? Where has she been? What has she done? But at the same time, it kind of turned a little, and my question started being, you know, why would she do this to our family? What is her problem? You know, why would she do this to our parents? Why would she do this? And I remember just sitting in the car, we're waiting for that bus to come, and I just, I just kept staring out the window, and I couldn't say anything, but I was filled with all these raw emotions of anger, Shame, sorrow, relief, embarrassment. uh, But my dad, my dad only had one emotion. My dad only had one thought. Today, my daughter comes home. Safe and sound. You know? I am not proud of this, but my heart was not there. I, I, I just, I, I was playing the part of the righteous older brother. Have you heard of him? He's in the New Testament, okay? I, I was that guy. And I was like, can't believe this girl. What is her freaking problem? My pa- I grew up in the same house. I have the same parents. Look at me. I'm so great. What is wrong with her? Why would she do this? Honestly, that's what I was feeling. I know I have issues. I've sought counseling. Don't worry, okay? (laughs) It's many years ago. But you know what? Honestly, honestly, seriously, maybe it's because I have daughters of my own now. I get it. I get it. I, I understand a little bit better now what my father was going through at the moment. See, when a father is separated from his child... It doesn't matter what kind of poor decisions were made by whoever. The father just wants his child back. That's the heart of the father. Amen? And folks, that's the heart of the prophets. That's the heart of the law. That's the heart of the Old Testament. It points to the New Testament where it shows us a son that comes back to the children of God, drawing them back to the heart of The Father, that's what Jesus Christ is all about. And he has come. And that's the message of Malachi. That's the last promise of the Old Testament. It says this, he will turn the hearts of the Father to their children and the hearts of the children to their father. See, guys, God's heart is already for us. It is already actively pursuing us. And that's the only reason. Why our hearts would pursue him. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Jesus, the perfect son, received the judgment and punishment from God that you and I deserved so that we could return home to the father. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. See, we're going to invite you to come home. See, you need to understand, when my sister finally came home that night, my mom had spent the entire day preparing her favorite meal and setting it around the table. And this was going to be the way that we welcomed my sister home. And folks, the communion table is very similar. It's of the same heart. See, communion is the Father's way of welcoming home children, who have been far from him. Think of it as this. It's the father's way of welcoming his children to the family dining table. So guys, if you are far from God today, you can draw close. Even after 400 years of silence, because Christ (laughs) broke that silence. He broke it by taking on the sins of the world, by taking on your sins and mine so that we could be with the Father. That's what we're saying when we receive communion. So can we do that right now? Do you want to respond? Do you want to respond to the heart of the Father? Say amen. 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 Let's go to the Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, God, and I don't know where everyone has been, how far they are from you, I do know that if we are close to you and if we have any hopes of drawing closer to you, it will be because of your Son through your Holy Spirit. So right now, Lord, as you invite us to the dining table of sorts, as you invite us to the communion table, as you invite us to remember Jesus' body broken for us, his blood spilt for us, I pray that you would draw us closer to the heart of the Father.